This summer, Coors Light wants you to retire, even if it's only temporary. Take a break from your nine to five for nine holes of golf. Trade those spreadsheets for a bingo card. Or swap your office chair for a water aerobics floaty. This summer, welcome to temporary retirement. Coors Light, made to chill. Copyright 2023, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Are we in the meat of the Pac-12 football season? It certainly feels like it with Oregon and Washington. Set to play a football game coming up uh, Saturday. Just a couple days away from Oregon and Washington. And also Oregon State at home against UCLA. Hell, I think it's going to be a great weekend. We've got a lot to talk about. It's going to start with a Friday night game. Stanford and Colorado. Utah's trying to get right again and... Maybe maybe Cal's the perfect patsy. They're going to Salt Lake to play Utah. Oregon and Washington. Come on, it's Oregon-Washington week. Kenny Wheaton's going to score, right? Washington State's got a home game. USC's playing Notre Dame. And Oregon State home against UCLA. All of it, we're going to talk about it on today's show. We'll talk about what we think's going to happen in these games. But I have to start with this Oregon-Washington game. And I, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out that Dan Lanning is going to be joining us on the show today, Oregon football coach. What will his frame of mind be on today's show? Remember, Softy came on yesterday's show. If you missed the Softy interview on yesterday's show, I'll catch you all up. And if you heard the Softy interview on yesterday's show, I also will catch you all up. I feel like Softy was trying to play mental warfare, play some psychological games, or at the very least, lowest common denominator, kind of feels like he was trying to jinx Oregon during his interview on yesterday's show. I'm going on his show on Friday. Maybe I should try to jinx Washington. But see, I'm not a honk like he is. Like, I think when he comes on the show, he's got an ulterior motive. Like, he's, you know, he's, yeah, he's coming on to tell us about Washington He's coming on to talk about the game that will be played 1230 on Saturday, maybe college game day, talk a little bit about that. But isn't Softy's real aim when he comes on this show, isn't his real objective or maybe his real purpose to kind of just let us know what the typical Washington honk is thinking about when it comes to Oregon and Washington week? Because, like, we can't teleport into the living room of the typical Washington fan, although we kind of can teleport into the living room if we go back just a couple years and we remember Softy in his own living room watching the end of the Oregon-Washington game in which Peyton Henry, the kicker for the Huskies, misses the damn field goal that would have won the football game. All right, baby, here we go. Oh, man, what a week, huh? Man, I, I feel like my head's killing me, and I don't give a damn. Let's go, Peyton. He's got this. He's going to make this kick. You and I both know he's making this kick. He is going to make this kick. Here we go, baby. Come on, Peyton. Come on, Peyton. Let's go, big boy. You got it. 38 yards. 
38 yards. 38 yards. Come on, Peyton. You got it, baby. Let's go, big boy. Let's go, big boy. Ah, Mario's getting nervous. <coughs> Come on, man. I would have liked to have had a little more. I didn't like running the clock down at the end there. I thought maybe run one more play and try to get to 34, 35 yards, but hey, just be all right. It's okay. 38 yards. If I would have told you before the game that we'd have a crack at a game-winning 38-yard field goal, I think you would have taken it. And we asked this question before the Auburn game earlier in the year, but we said 40. Now it's 38 at Oregon, and you're talking about game seven, not game one. <sighs> Look at this. Okay, you have to stop talking. Stop talking. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. <coughs> the big one's upstairs. Wilkers, whatever the hell your name is. Everybody asking, why don't you have a bigger TV? The bigger TV's upstairs, okay? My niece lives with us, and that's her room now. That's why the TV's upstairs and why we're down here, for crying out loud. Stop asking me why we have a small TV. We don't. Make it. Here we go, baby. Come on, Peyton. Come on, Peyton. Come on, Peyton. Oh, Jesus Christ. I hate this guy. Come on, Mario. I hate this guy. Ah, sh**. And he made that one, just like freaking Matt Bryant missed it against it. I hate this I hate icing the kicker. I hate the targeting rules in college football, and I hate icing the kicker on both sides. Their side, our side, I don't give a whose side, anybody's side. Get it out of the game. Get that crap out of the game. It's driving me freaking crazy. The call on Jalen, the call on the other guy for Oregon, Carl's bad, whatever the freaking hell his name. Terrible. Ruining college football. Hate it. God. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Come on, Peyton. 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 You got it. Snap, hold, like an opera. Every everything's a piece. Just fluid motion. Come on, Peyton. Come on, Peyton. Come on, Peyton. Come on, baby. Come on, Come on, Peyton. You got it. You got it, Peyton. Unbelievable. Peyton Henry lined up for that. What was a 37-yard field goal in the 2018 game? Game was tied 24-24, seconds remaining at Autzen Stadium. And uh, Oregon goes on to win. I'll never forget Mario Cristobal at the end of that game on the field. He was celebrating with his family, had his kids in his arm, his wife with him. It was a big, big win for Oregon as uh, Oregon took advantage of uh, that second chance. Uh, I only bring this up because Softy came on yesterday's show and I feel like over the years, you know, he's given us gifts. Like, I, I never get tired of hearing that rant from Softy from the 2018 game. And I never get tired of hearing him bellyache in uh, 2016 about the Oregon uniforms. Remember that one? The Oregon Ducks are sitting there at, what, 2-3? and three? Is that right over yep. there, 2-3, and three, John? 2-3. and three. Okay, they're 2-3, and three, and I'm still looking at flipping ESPN sending out Twitter alerts because of the uniforms that Oregon's going to wear for the game on Saturday. Who gives a damn? They're two and three. They're a non-factor from a national perspective. And ESPN is sending out alerts telling us what the hell uniform combination Oregon's going to wear on Saturday. Why do I care? And why should anybody care about that? And what the hell is this web foot nonsense? Are you kidding me? How ridiculous is that? You know what? Get a kicker, kick an extra point, and wear the same damn jersey for every home game like every other stake in college football team does. <laughs> Softy mad about the jerseys. Oregon did lose that game, and Washington put a 70 on Mark Helfrich 
in that game, which was really a redemption game for Washington because the Ducks had dominated Washington for a 12- or 13-year period. Softy came on yesterday's show, and he tried to play some mental warfare, okay? And, you know, I, I know that Oregon will say, hey, we don't hear outside noise, but I kind of hope that Oregon does hear this outside noise because it's such a pathetic attempt by a diehard Husky fan who is trying desperately to find any angle that he could find to try to put some pressure on Oregon as if the pressure of playing a top-ten-ranked team on the road and facing Michael Penix Jr. isn't enough. Here's what Softy tried to do to Dan Landing in Oregon on yesterday's show. Tell yeah. me, am I crazy for picking Oregon? I think Oregon's the better team. I think no. they're a more complete team. No, I just told you. I think it's going to be an embarrassment if Oregon loses the game. And you just said why. They're, they're, a, they're a way more complete football team. I mean, John, everything that Washington does well, Oregon has an answer for. UW number one in total offense. Okay, fine. Oregon's number six in total defense. UW number one in passing offense. Okay, fine. Oregon's number five in passing defense. Uh, how about UW number six in sacks allowed in the country? Okay, fine. Oregon's defense is tied for eighth with 18. Everything UW does well, Oregon has a response. Everything UW does weak, Oregon is good at. Washington number 62 in total D, Oregon number two in total offense. UW 102nd in rush uh, offense. Oregon is 20th in run defense. The Huskies cannot get after the quarterback. Oregon does a great job of protecting the quarterback. This would be an absolute embarrassment. Embarrassment for Dan Lanning in Oregon to lose this game to Washington because on paper they are better in every single category. You don't get UW now. you got to wonder as an Oregon fan if Dan Lanning can ever get it done. This is coming from a guy who spent more than a decade watching Oregon kick Washington's ass. Forgive my language. But he spent that, so he's saying you got to wonder if they're ever going to win. They're 3-3 three and three in the last six. And Softy's trying to make this game as if, oh, if they don't get them this year, they're never going to get them. From our perspective, the way it should be is Washington should be kicking Oregon's ass every single year. But that's only for guys like me that are 50 years old and still living in the 90s and the 80s, man. So things have definitely changed. Oregon's the shiny new the shiny new object for a lot of us OGs out there that still remember the dominance over the Beavers and the dominance over the Oregon Ducks. And Oregon's not going away. We all get that now because of Uncle Phil and that uh, that treasure trove down there. But John, I got to be honest with you, man. This game on Saturday, um, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it. Uh, I think if Oregon loses to UW, I think it'll be an embarrassment for Oregon, to be totally honest with you. If we want to talk pressure, you tell me. And I want you to weigh in. 503-417-7575. Who is the pressure on in this game? Is Softy right? Is the pressure on Oregon, the visiting team, Bo Nix, Dan Lanning, losing last year's game, is there more pressure on Oregon in this game and to win this game at Husky Stadium? Or is there more pressure on Washington with the home team, Michael Penix Jr., Kalen DeBoer? I would argue there's more pressure on Washington for a couple of reasons. One, this is, you know, if there is a rematch between these two teams, it's going to happen at a neutral site. This is Washington's advantage, and this is their opportunity to, in the regular season, to get a game. They're both coming off a bye week. There's no advantage there. But I also think this group of players that Oregon and Washington both have, 
if we are looking at the 10-year or the 20-year landscape or trajectory of these programs, could you not argue that Oregon's going to out-recruit Washington? Can you not argue that it may not matter in the next 5, 10, 15? It may not matter how much talking that Softy does or how much history that this, this rivalry has. It, it feels to me like the future of this rivalry belongs to Oregon. You tell me, where's the pressure? 503-417-7575. Love having Softy on. Love talking with him. I'll go on his show in Seattle on Friday. Steven, you love that interview, too. Love it, man. Uh, Softy, he is one of a kind, that's for sure. Uh, makes me laugh during that entire interview and all those other clips, too. Just so good uh, to bring him back for the Oregon-Washington rivalry game. Um, you know, Talking about the the who has the most pressure on them, I, I, I kind of feel like... It's not even the coaches. It's it's Bo Nix, isn't it? Bo Nix, who has been through so much in his college career, and uh, you know, two touchdowns, nine interceptions versus AP top ten teams in his career. Now a lot of it's with Auburn, where he's not with the best of teams. But I feel like if Bo Nix can get this win up in Seattle, like it's gonna rewrite his entire narrative career that he had at Auburn, and now he is what he is, and he's so much different at Oregon. I feel like there's a lot of pressure on Bo Nix to perform well in this game. I think he's going to. But I do think there's a lot of pressure on him. I think nationally he can kind of rewrite all the wrongs that happened at Auburn if he can go up to Seattle, win this game over Washington, and then Oregon can be a top-five team. I just don't I, – I look at the regular season and what's left for Oregon. After this game, uh, we'll talk home games. Home game against Washington State, home game against Cal, home game against USC, home game against Oregon State, road games against Utah and Arizona State. Only two road games, four home games – a tough competition, but uh, that's how it lays out for Oregon. For Washington, because this game is a home game, you know they'll only get uh, Arizona State, Utah, and Washington State at home. Washington has to go on the road to play Stanford, on the road to play USC, on the road to play Oregon State. I think if you are looking at just from a strategic standpoint or the logistics of it, I'd rather have Oregon schedule with four home games, two road games, and one of them being at Utah, one of them being at Arizona State, then having to go 3-3 three and three and, oh, by the way, your three road games include USC and Oregon State. Those are two really tough road teams. Let's go to the phone lines, 503-417-7575. Who's the pressure on in this game? Mark in Portland, you go first. Hey, how's it going? You just about nailed everything. I mean, it, the pressure's on Washington, clearly. I mean, if you look at... Oregon schedule, and I at the beginning of the year, you could see this game being pivotal because both teams really didn't have a super tough schedule to start. And for Washington, they have to go to USC, like you said, and Oregon State. Oregon State might be the best home team in the conference right now. So uh, Oregon's going to be, even if they lose this game, as long as it's relatively close, they're going to be the favorite in every game they play after this. I, I would think even at Utah with them missing – uh, Cam Rising, if he doesn't come back, their quarterback, Oregon should be the favorite in that game as well. So I think the pressure's definitely on Washington. I think Oregon could potentially lose this game and still, uh, you know, not easily, but they could they could uh, still win out uh, after losing to Washington. Washington loses this game, and, you know, they're psych- psychologically going to USC and Oregon State. It's not going to be a good deal for them. So I think it's the, the pressure's on Washington. That's why they're favored. They're at home. You you hit it, John, with the twenty seven and one. You got to win your home games to be able to get to the conference championship. If you lose yeah, a home game, you're done. I, I think there's a gap between 
the top two teams in the conference and everybody else. There's about four tiers, as I see it, in the Pac-12 standings. And the first tier starts at the top, of course, with Oregon and Washington being in that top tier. And then I see that next group of USC, Oregon State, UCLA, Washington State. Then I think Utah is in another group because uh, tell me if they have Cam Rising or not. If they have Cam Rising, I'll include them in that second group. If not, they're not. They're in the third group. And then it goes kind of Colorado, Arizona, Cal, and then Stanford, Arizona State at the bottom. And to me, you really have to be wary of the teams in that second group because it's USC, it's Oregon State, it's UCLA, it's Washington State, and, and on a given day it's Utah. You have to look out for those teams. If Utah's at home, they're a different animal than they are on the road. And if they have Cam Rising, they're a different animal. But still, they're the defending two-time champions, and you have to watch out for them. And so when I look at the rest of the schedule, I like Oregon's schedule a little better than I like Washington's from a, from a safety standpoint. And I especially like Oregon's schedule if Oregon wins this game because I think Oregon would have a mulligan to play with going down the stretch and could still get to the conference championship game. If Washington loses this game, they cannot lose again. They cannot go to USC and lose. They cannot go to Oregon State and lose. They cannot afford a hiccup or a misfire. If uh, Oregon loses this game, I feel better about Oregon having some of those more difficult games at home. But where is the pressure? Softy trying to put it on Oregon. I think it's on Washington. Roy's in Portland. Roy, welcome. Hey, how you doing, John? Doing well. How you doing, John, man? I, I think the pressure's on Oregon, man. If you lose to Washington, that's two years in a row you lost to mm-hmm. Washington. And then you still might not and you still might lose to Oregon State. So that's three years two years in a row you lost to both of your run. Pressure's on, on, on Oregon. They gotta win this game. Because Washington came in to U, Eugene last year and beat you. So if you go out there and lose you know what is like I said? That's two years in a row you lost, and I'm not, and I'm not I'm not confident about I'm not confident about, about Oregon or Washington the rest of the season like schedule. I think both of them could lose again, or could lose once or twice. So I mean, um, if Oregon if Oregon doesn't win, you know, I don't know what that says about Dan Lane and the program. They're definitely not going to the playoffs, but I, I I thought they were going to the playoffs. But, you know, you have to win this game. Oregon has to win. If Washington loses, I mean, I still think they could have an outside shot going to the playoffs. But I'm not confident with Oregon. You said Oregon has to go to Utah, right? They go to Utah. Yeah, that's not going to be an easy game, man, especially towards the end of the season. So, yeah, could be you know, snowy. that could possibly be two losses. Yeah. So, you know, you got to win this game if you're Oregon. Yeah. Do you think Oregon wins the game, Roy? Ah, man, this is such a tough game. I know. I don't know, man. It could go either way, man, but I'm going to go Washington at home. There I'm just he is. I'm just going to go I'm just going Washington because they're at home. You're I don't not think du- Oregon You're not dumb. The, tra- the 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 home favorites have been lethal this season in the Pac-12 conference. Home favorites 27 and 1. And by the time Oregon and Washington kick off, they could be 28-1, maybe 29-1. Softy pointed out that both of these programs haven't won anything. I guess I pointed it out to him, and he agreed with me. If you go back to Washington's season a year ago, 11-2, nothing to scoff at, okay? I thought Washington was playing great at the end of the year. 
But all the Husky fans were upset. They were all belly aching. They didn't get to Vegas. They didn't get to play for the conference championship. Instead, it was Utah and USC that went to Las Vegas. I kind of felt like Washington had no beef, though, because they lost to UCLA. They lost to Arizona State. They put themselves in that predicament. And they didn't play anybody last year. They played Oregon, but they didn't play. Uh, they didn't have to play against Utah. They didn't have to play against USC. They barely beat Oregon State at their place. They barely beat Oregon at Autzen. They went 11 and two. Take a victory lap. Great first season for Kalen DeBoer, but he didn't play anybody, and they haven't played anybody this year either. Michigan State. That's their quality win. Oregon, meanwhile, if you look at Dan Lanning, Roy is right. They lost to Washington. They lost to Oregon State last year. What did they do? Went and won a Holiday Bowl. Okay, that's not a that's not a BCS bowl game. That's not a that's not a college football playoff game. You won a Holiday Bowl. You lost to Washington. You lost to Oregon State, as I pointed out. Oregon this year, I think, has the quality win between the two teams in that it went to Texas Tech and won that game. And I think that Texas Tech game was on my mind today. I was driving today, I was going to get a coffee, and I was thinking to myself, you know, this is the game, this is the week where the Texas Tech game and the way that Oregon had to kind of battle in the second half really pays off. Because the Texas Tech game was was a bit of a fist fight down the stretch. But Softy agreed with me. Said neither one of these teams played anybody. Uh, nobody has really accomplished anything. Uh, let's be totally honest with each other. And really, you know what? When it comes to Kalen DeBoer and Dan Lanning, in the grand scheme of things, what have these coaches even done, really? I mean, Dan Lanning's got a Holiday Bowl. Uh, Kalen DeBoer's got an Alamo Bowl. I mean, so what? Who cares, right? I mean, Oregon wants Final Fours. UW wants Final Fours. Oregon. There, who's won anything? Who's proven anything? Bruce in Portland, welcome to the conversation. Go ahead, Bruce. Hey, John, thanks. Um, hey, personally, I think the pressure is on Oregon, and Oregon's defense in particular. They have something to prove after Penix torched them last year. Um, and don't forget, Oregon was, what, a Bo Nix injury and four yards away from going up by 10 in that game last year. And, man, once that injury happened, I don't know if the defense was shell-shocked, but Penix came in and just give, give Washington some credit, just took control and drove down the length of the field you know, for the go-ahead touchdown. Um, I think Oregon's defense is much improved this year. If they can get pressure on Penix, I think it's going to be an Oregon win. Um, I have the fortunate uh, – I'm fortunate to be going to this game. I haven't been to Husky Stadium. All my years as a Duck fan living in this wow. state, I've never been to Husky Stadium. So me and a bunch of friends are going up. We'll see if the, if the uh, local fans are truly as rude as everybody says they are. Hopefully not and we can all kind of, you know, enjoy a good game. I think Oregon is going to win uh, by a touchdown. There you go, Bruce in Portland. I gave my picks at johnconzano.com. Bruce is on record. Cam is in Eugene listening on Powerhouse Fox Sports Eugene. Go ahead, Cam. John, i got to go with option C. The pressure isn't on Oregon or Washington as a whole. The pressure is on Dan Lanning, who mm. lost to Washington, which is almost sacrilegious, but he lost at Austin, and he's never beaten Washington, and if you're an Oregon fan, you really don't care how long he's been a coach. That's You've got to get that bad taste out of your mouth, and my understanding is he was basically hired to bring in this defensive philosophy and to be the difference in games like this. This is why we got Dan Lanning, and so he's got 
this monkey on his back because he lost to Washington last year, and this is this is where he proves his value. So I, I've got to put all the pressure on Dan Lanning. Yeah, I think, you know, you may be right. I think Lanning's going to want this one. Maybe we'll get a camera in the locker room before the game. We can find out how much he wants it. Bill's in Gresham. Go ahead, Bill. Great show, John. Yeah, man, um, I, I think Oregon wins this one going away. I, I really don't know what all the the hoopla is about. I, I think Oregon is a uh, head and shoulders better team. Uh, Washington has got, you know, a, a decent team this year, but I think Oregon is just, uh, you know, a complete team. I've heard that term used quite a few times in, in, in descrip- describing them. Um, I, I've got a win in like 38-24. Um, I think the pressure is on Washington. It's a home game. You know, it's just uh, – and I think at the end of the day, it's going to be 27-2. Those numbers are big, and I, I know we, we like to go by them, but I, I think Oregon wins this. I'll say this too, man. I think Lanning, if he doesn't do what he did at the end of last year and, you know, those two head-scratching losses that Oregon had, I think Oregon's a playoff team. They're the best team in the Pac-12 by far. And I think a lot of the other guys in front of them are going to end up knocking each other out, SEC games, Big Ten games. So that's my take. Great yep. show. Soft Appreciate you. Soul off, man. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the call. All right, we're going to pivot in the next segment. Anthony Gold, wide receiver, Oregon State. He joins us every week. They have a big game against UCLA. Gold was lights out last week against Cal. He joins us next, coming up 4 o'clock hour. Dan Lanning will join us. I'll ask him about the pressure. I'll ask him if this game means more. We'll talk to Lanning at 420. Make an appointment. Anthony Gold, wide receiver, Oregon State, made two fantastic catches last week as uh, Oregon State uh, beat Cal in Berkeley. It was uh, I was there. It was uh, quite a show from the Oregon State offense. Anthony Gold, a key part of it. Is it BFT karma or is it Jamba? I don't know. Every time he makes one of those big plays, somebody at the press box goes, Jamba. This segment brought to you by Jamba. Anthony Gold joining us. Hey, you made a couple of nice catches. What's that feel like to be on the field and come down with a ball like that? I mean, you know, it always feels good. But most importantly, just because, you know, you're helping your team go out there and succeed. And, um, yeah, there are two big third-down catches. But, you know, um, like I said earlier this week, you know, we in the wideout room, we pride ourselves on making those type of catches. And, you know, we expect ourselves to make those type of catches in those situations. So, um yeah, it feels good, but, you know, it's on to, on to UCLA this week, so that's what the, the real focus is on. Seven catches, 117 yards. I actually thought you got in the end zone on that one. What did the official say to you? Uh, he said because I landed on the ball and slid on the ball that um, it was out of bounds, I guess. I'm not yeah. I'm not sure. I, did, I saw from the, the film, um, it's tough. I mean, I got to make it more clear on the catch, so. Um, you know, I'll take that one on me. That one still hurts me a little bit, but, um, yeah. We'll get you in the end zone this week. You got UCLA. Uh, the offense is interesting because I was looking at the stats for the game, and it's like receivers, you, Josiah Irish, Silas Bolden. It's running backs. It's Damian Martinez, Deshaun Fenwick catching passes. Uh, we've had an offensive lineman this season catch a touchdown pass. You've seen Isaac Hodgins, a defensive lineman, caught a touchdown pass. Everybody's everybody's participating. It it looks like it's a lot of fun. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's, it's fun when you're scoring on some of the plays like Josh uh, Josh Gray's play. Um, you know, plays like that, you know, where it's just like if it works, it works. If it's not, it's not going to. So, um, you know, it, it, I'm happy to uh, see those guys, you know, get in and, you know, like I said, help the team in any way they can and um, show them more of a, a well-rounded football player than just the position they are. Um, and, yeah, you know, I'm happy to see how those guys contribute in big ways. Is it – is it that something clicked on offense or was there something there against Cal or is it something you're doing or something that was just there in the matchup that results in a game where you put up 52 points? No, I think it's, you know, something that's been brewing all season. Um, we know there's been games where we haven't, you know, played a game to where we really felt like we went out there and, you know, executed as well as we could have. Um, and even Cal, we, we felt like we left some plays out there, but, um, I think it was it was only a matter of time, and you know we're clicking at we're starting to click at the the right spot in the the season. Um, you know our goal is to play our best ball in November, and that's going to continue to be our goal. So as long as we go out there, you know, just keep executing and keep um, you know starting the, the weeks off right in practice, then um, you know the sky's the limit for us as an offense and as a team. This is a big weekend for you guys, UCLA homecoming. UCLA has been very good on defense in the last uh, couple of games. You, you've seen plenty of film of them. What do they do well on defense? Uh, I mean, you know, they have a great defense. They have one of the best defenses in the country, and um, they have a, a good uh, front seven. Um, they're getting the back end as well. So, um, you know, playing a team like that where they're well-rounded, uh, multiple places, um, you know, you have to bring your A game, you have to execute, and that's something we've been focusing on all week, uh, just, you know, going out there and doing our job and, um, you know, hopefully come out the win. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's going to be a good game, uh, big game, physical game, uh, so it should be a fun one. Anthony Gold with us, Oregon State wide receiver. The quarterback, uh, DJ Uyangalele, had five touchdown passes. Aiden Childs gets in there, throws a touchdown pass. You have six in the game. How is that working? Because sometimes you'll see teams where a guy will come in and maybe it'll rattle the confidence of the other guy, but it doesn't seem to be rattling DJ at all. It seems to be a nice change of pace and, you know, getting a young guy some snaps. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it you know, affects anyone too much. Um, you know, we all trust Aiden. We know what Aiden can do. You um, know, uh, like you guys saw Saturday, he came in, the only drive he got, he scored. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I don't think it really affects things too much. Uh we we all go out there. We can we can execute no matter who's in, and um, that's something I know we take pride in. Uh, this is our whole team, you know, just having depth. And if you know a starter goes out, um, the next guy is ready to fill in. Like nothing happened. So um, no, I I I think it's good to get a little change a little change of pace going, but um, I don't think it really affects anything too much. Are you superstitious? Uh. In some things, but I wouldn't say too much. Like like in football, do you have a ritual, a habit, a superstition? Your coach, Jonathan Smith, he shared with us yesterday that he drinks two cups of coffee in the morning on game day, and then he likes to have a cup of coffee right when he gets to the stadium. That's his thing. What's your thing? Yeah, I, don't really, I wouldn't say I really have a thing, honestly. I, I kind of just wake up and... You know, go. You know, I kind of attack every day. I don't really, I, yeah, there's not really one thing I can really think that I do every, you know, every game day. But who knows? I might just, 
don't know. I'm not a big superstitious person, so I know there's some people who are. I'll, I'll clear that here, but that's yeah, yeah. Who on your me. team? Who on your team is really kind of has a habit, a ritual, has to do the same thing? Because it can get way too far. Like you know, I have to have my helmet in a certain area. I have to have this. I have to high five this person. It can get comp- too complicated. I think. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone on the team that really has too extreme of a ritual, I would say, like, to where, you know, they're going out their way to having to do one specific thing. Um, you know, guys might have their own little thing, whether it's, you know, waking up in the morning and doing something or um, something like that. But I, don't, I haven't seen too many too many teammates have, you know, an extreme ritual or, you know, something that's, you know, a little, a little quirky. But um, I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure we do. Sure you do. I bet you do. All right, all right, listen, what about your classes? What are you taking right now? Let's go through your class load. Okay, let me tell you. I'm taking three classes. Um, okay. I'm taking law, crime, and policy is one of them. Okay. Um, American higher education is another, and then uh, organizational administration, college students services. So that's kind of like working with. Um, you know, college-age students and um, administrative roles and um, how to decide certain rules. We kind of just started in the class, so I'm still learning, but that's kind well, of that, the That of law in crime class sounds really interesting, is it? Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that's that's one that um, even the first bit of discussion last night, and it was, um, what you're thinking is like if, how or how much of a fine would it take for you to um, not steal a hundred dollars from someone? <laughs> and it was, you know, yeah. seeing people seeing people's different numbers in the, the discussion board, it really got you thinking of, you know, okay, what goes on to the the element of, of you know, humans of just trial and error and, or what risk the reward, you know, so it's interesting to see that way, but um like I said, it just started, so I'm interested to see how that one. You know, you're, you, don't you know you're supposed to be taking like yoga and sign language, <laughs> and you know what I mean? Didn't Jaden Grant yeah, tell I you? Going to. <laughs> I was actually going to. <laughs> you got those I are three, those are three hard. real classes that you're taking there. What are they oh, toward? Yeah. Are they toward a uh, a degree or uh, a minor or a, another major? Or what what are they? What are you working towards with those? Yeah, so I'm working toward uh, towards a certificate. So. It's, um, kind of like just another thing added onto my degree, uh, but the, yeah, I, yeah, that's that's what I'm working towards. We right, done with that in the fall, so that'll be great. Big game Saturday, UCLA got the home field, homecoming. You gonna have a lot of family in the crowd? Oh yeah, I got I think fifteen to twenty people coming out. So nice. Uh, yeah, I got a lot of family coming out this game. All right, Anthony, I appreciate you joining us every week. Go do what you do, uh, and we'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Hopefully I'll see you on Saturday. There you go. Anthony Gold, wide receiver, Oregon State. It's brought to you by Jamba. Life is better blended. Thanks to the people at Jamba for sponsoring that and Anthony coming on every week. And i got to tell you, you know, after the game, he came up, he came at 117 yards receiving. I will see him on the field. At, you know, I saw him on the field at Berkeley as he's leaving the field, and he goes, Jamba, you know, as he's coming by. So 
Uh, appreciate that. Appreciate him joining every week. All right, a big splash is coming up. Dan Lanning at 420. Be here. We'll give our picks for the Pac-12 week. I've locked my picks in. Stephen, have you locked your picks in? We're going to do that coming up here. I'm going to take a call uh, from Jeff in Portland, and then we're going to get on to the picks. Jeff, what do you got? Hey, John. I just I get a kick out of Softy. That guy's he's a clown, man. He just makes me laugh every time I hear him. If you still got the soundbite from a few years ago with him and his girlfriend or whatever sitting watching the, the yes. Oregon Husky game, I would love if you could play that just for some laughs. Yeah, but um, you know, he just says he just says things to uh, to rile us fans up, and he got me. You know, I'm calling in. Uh, but I, I don't think the pressure is on Oregon. I think the pressure, honestly, is not on either team. I mean, either team is, is playing for the playoff. They both have to go undefeated, in my opinion, to make the playoff. And, you know, they're both in position to do so. But I think both the quarterbacks are in the Heisman contention. And whoever has the bigger game, you know, the pressure is on the quarterbacks, really, in my opinion. So I'm excited to see, you know, who rises to the occasion. Yeah, I think it, I, I think both of the QBs are going to have good games, and I will play the softy clip again later. I played it. I play it all the time. I never get tired of it. But uh, people may remember he was in his living room with his wife. He was sick. He didn't go to Eugene to watch the game, and then he got really sick when Peyton Henry missed a 37, 38 yard field goal that would have won the game for Washington at the end of regulation. Uh, Stephen, let's pivot right into that. Let's go to our picks for the week. Dan Lanning coming up at 4.20, but um, I uh, release my picks every Thursday officially at johnconzano.com. If you want to grab a subscription there, get a free one, get a paid one, whatever works for you works for me. I am 21-19 and 19 this year. I'm ashamed to say against the spread. I'm only 53%. I need a, I need a good week this week. Uh, I've missed two games this season by a half point. I'm really not happy about that. And so I'd like to have a couple of those break my way at some point. My straight-up record is 44-5. and five. I'm proud of that. That's 90%. Steven, let's start Friday night. Stanford's at Colorado, 7 p.m. on ESPN. Coach Prime not happy about the late start, belly aching, bitching and moaning like everybody has for years. Uh, here's Coach Prime. It'll be an 8 p.m. start for him. Now the Buffs get ready for Stanford coming in. A Friday night game, short week for the Buffaloes this week. you got an 8 o'clock game. Gary and I are going to hit the air at 6 p.m. We'll be out in Dwayne Field. Again, Mr. Affleck will be out in Matt Field. Who makes on. these 8 o'clock games? That's the dumbest thing I ever. I know, I know. It's those fellas the over the television side. stupidest thing ever invented in life. Who wants to stay up to 8 o'clock for a darn game? You wait till we do what it. What about the West Coast? Yes. I mean, the East Coast. Any, do they even care about ratings or anybody watching it? I know. Uh, you, you what are we supposed to do with? I'm sorry, I'm Vinny. What are we supposed to do with the kids all day until eight o'clock? Yeah, wait till we're on the road. What are we supposed to yeah. do all day until eight o'clock? So what are you supposed to do in the hotel? Yep. What, what are you supposed to do all yep. day? Watching football. Uh, who, who's playing and, and on then, Friday? And, and then the next day, and then the next day, if when we have a game like that on the road, we get home at five o'clock in the morning. Right. Yeah. yeah. Thank God we're not going to be in this uh, conference. Yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. We'll be playing East of here. There'll be earlier games coming up. Colorado. Thank God we're not going to be in this conference. Uh, I think the, the better benefit to Colorado going to the Big 12 is that they don't have to play Oregon. They don't have to play Washington. They don't have to play UCLA or USC. They'll be fine playing against Baylor and Houston and BYU and Texas Tech. They'll still have problem with Utah. 
But the Big Colorado will do better in the Big 12 because the Big 12 is not as good a conference. But this game on Friday, seven o'clock our time on ESPN. Stanford is one and seventeen in their last eighteen conference games. But Stephen, Stanford to me matches up well with Colorado. They they have struggled in the red zone. Colorado is not a great defense in the red zone. I think Stanford's going to score in this game. I don't think they'll win. But Colorado's an eleven and a half point favorite. I'm going to take Stanford in eleven and a half. I think Colorado wins 34-28. I agree with you. I think Stanford can keep this game close, and it's for all of those reasons you just said. I think Stanford's not a good team by any means, but I do think because of how bad the Colorado defense is, I think Stanford will get the right game plan. I think that's more because I trust Troy Taylor as a head coach. He's going to get the right guys in the right spots. I think Stanford can keep it close. I think ultimately Colorado wins, but uh, I think Stanford loses by 10. They're going to cover that number. Cal is at Utah, noon Saturday, Pac-12 Network. Cal's the perfect patsy, and Utah needs one here. Rice Eccles Stadium, really tough place to play, 17 straight wins for Utah. I don't see any way that Utah loses this game. The only question to me is, do they cover? I now believe Utah will cover. I think uh, they'll have enough offense. I'm just, I was not impressed with Cal's defense. I think Utah's going to get right on offense in this game. I think Utah will get to about 34 points against Cal, and they'll win it and cover the 13-and-a-half. Yeah, I think this is a bad matchup for Cal. We talked about matchups in the matchup before. This one with Mendoza, the freshman, going on the road. Cal, I think their offense is better than we think it is, but the defense, like you said, is way worse than what we thought it would be going into the season, and you can't have that. You cannot have a you know an average offense and then a bad defense going into Rice-Eccles Stadium. I think Utah's just going to, you know, they're going to step on their throats, and they're just going to be a slow death, but it's going to be about a 20-point win for Utah, and it's going to be real ugly. It's going to be you know, 34 to 10 or something like that. Yeah. It's going to be real ugly, but uh, I think Utah's going to score enough points, and Cal just won't be able to do anything on offense. Uh, give me Utah minus the points. Scares me that we agree with two, uh, two in a row there. <laughs> Oregon's at Washington, 1230 Saturday, ABC. We've talked all about this. Uh, Softy making a case for Washington's defense. He says they're not as bad as they have been on paper. Uh, Outside of Arizona, the strong majority of their touchdowns allowed, like mm, 80% of them, came when the game was already over. Uh, Go back and look at the score against California. Go back and look at the score against Boise State, Michigan State. Garbage time touchdowns are are padding the, uh, the stats against Washington's defense. And you know what? Look, John, I'm sure a lot of teams can say that. I'm sure Oregon can say the same thing. But outside of the Arizona game, you go back and look at what this Washington defense has done. When the game is on the line, halftime, three-quarters, whatever, totally different animal. Yeah, Boise State, Michigan State, this is, this is not Oregon. And, and so I think Oregon's the better team. Washington's a three-point favorite at home. I think Oregon's going to win this game outright. I got Oregon 38-31 over Washington. I'm picking the Ducks. Well, here's where I go 3-0 and and you go 2-1 and because I'm going to go with Washington at home. I think this is a real coin flip game when you look at both teams. I buy a little bit of what Softy's saying about the defense. I, I think that you know they have been blowing teams out so much that I, I will give the benefit of the doubt to that, and I think that the home field advantage really plays a big part with that Washington defense. I think they get a stop or two. They force a turnover. They can do something to slow the Ducks down. And the one I think is really a truly, you know, it's a coin flip type of game, John. I I go to these three factors. Better coach, better quarterback, where the game is being played. Better coach, I think Kalen DeBoer is a better in-game coach than Dan Lanning. Better quarterback, I think Michael Penix is a better quarterback than Bo Nix. 
And, of course, it's being played up in Seattle. So Washington has all three of those factors. Give me Washington in the game and the cover. Arizona's at Washington State, 4 o'clock on the Pac-12 network. I'm just going to jump right to it. Washington State is a 8.5-point favorite. I think they win the game, but I think Arizona does what they've been doing all year. Respectable loss, 31-27. Take Arizona in the points, but Washington State wins the game. Yeah, I think Washington State bounces back, uh, gets the win and the cover over Arizona. USC at Notre Dame, 4.30 Saturday on NBC. I think uh, I wanted all week to pick against USC, but I can't. I keep thinking they'll just outscore Notre Dame, and I think USC will win this game. I have it real close, like 31-30 USC over Notre Dame, so take uh, USC in the two-and-a-half because I think they're going to win the game. I agree. There's going to be a time to play against USC. I don't think this is the week because I don't trust Notre Dame's offense. I think USC can just outscore this Notre Dame team, so Notre Dame goes on the road and gets the win outright. Finally, UCLA's at Oregon State, 5 o'clock Saturday on Fox. Bruins have been terrific on defense in their last two but I like the way Oregon State's offense is is rising to the meet the moment. They they seem to find something out last week, and I think they've kind of figured out how to spread the ball around. I think they'll run on UCLA, which nobody's done, and the home field, Research Stadium, too much. Oregon State's a three and a half point favorite. I think they're going to win, and I think they're going to cover the three and a half. I swapped this. I think UCLA is going to win this game. Uh, UCLA tied for first in the nation in yards given up per play, one of the best defenses of the nation. I think they shut down Oregon State, and they get just enough offense. I think his Oregon State defense is a little leaky after last week. Uh, give me UCLA to win outright. Yeah, Oregon State's got to play better on defense. I think they know that. And Chip Kelly says he's got to find a way to tackle DJ. I mean, we do tackling drills every day, but it's you're not going to simulate that. We don't have anybody... Um, on our team that's unless you put a tight end at quarterback you know because he's basically built like a tight end um, you got to tackle dj and ucla is going to find that out i i don't think that's a big challenge i think the bigger thing is damian martinez and and all those receivers at oregon state keep an eye on that one leave it here dan landing will be joining us this hour oregon ducks football coach we heard from softy on yesterday's show softy uh you know he did his thing Tell yeah. me, am I crazy for picking Oregon? I think Oregon's the better team. I think no. they're a more complete team. No, I just told you. I think it's going to be an embarrassment if Oregon loses the game. And you just said why. They're they're a, they're a way more complete football team. I mean, John, everything that Washington does well, Oregon has an answer for. UW number one in total offense. Okay, fine. Oregon's number six in total defense. UW number one in passing offense. Okay, fine. Oregon's number five in passing defense. Uh, how about UW number six in sacks allowed in the country? Okay, fine. Oregon's defense is tied for eighth with 18. Everything UW does well, Oregon has a response. Everything UW does weak, Oregon is good at. Washington number 62 in total D. Oregon number two in total offense. UW 102nd in rush uh, offense. Oregon is 20th in run defense. The Huskies cannot get after the quarterback. Oregon does a great job of protecting the quarterback. This would be an absolute embarrassment, embarrassment for Dan Lanning in Oregon to lose this game to Washington because on paper they are better in every single category. You don't get UW now. you got to wonder as an Oregon fan if Dan Lanning can ever get it done. Softy putting the pressure on Dan Lanning. I'm sure college coaches for what they make what they invest in their programs they feel pressure all the time Kalen DeBoer though I think the pressure's on Kalen DeBoer in Washington in this game I got some pushback from some callers in hour one who said no 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 
the pressure's on Oregon. But I, I actually think Oregon's schedule and the fact that this game is a home game for Washington makes this more of a must-win for the Huskies, given the fact that the Huskies are going to have to go on the road. Steven, the callers raised some good points, saying, you know, if you're Oregon, you can't lose two in a row. You don't want to have to go and play from behind. Of course you don't. You don't want to have a loss going, you know, down the stretch in conference play, knowing that you're going to have to play against Utah and Oregon State and USC. But I like that Oregon's got two of those games at home. And I get it, like, psychologically, if there's going to be a third game between the two teams in Las Vegas, you would like to not have had lost to them twice in a row, just from a psychological standpoint. But I I think from a logistical standpoint, Washington has to go on the road to USC. Washington has to go on the road to Oregon State. I think those are much tougher games when you consider, you know, if you've got a loss pinned on you, you're basically facing elimination and you're going to Reeser Stadium or you're facing elimination and going to play Caleb Williams, that's not going to be fun. Well, I think you're right that for the season-long pressure, Washington needs this win because their schedule is tougher. But I think for more of not a legacy type of play, but just how you're thought of as a coach, I think Dan Lanning and the Ducks do have more pressure on them because Dan Lanning, as the caller said, he lost last year. He lost at home to Washington in a game where they were double-digit favorites. You remember that, John. They were over 10-point favorites, two scores, and they lose outright on the field. Now you can say the Bo Nix injury had a lot to do with it and all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, Dan Lane didn't get it done. And Washington, you know, for what it is, they may be the biggest rival for the Ducks. And I think them both going to the Big Ten, you got to get those wins against the Huskies at home. He didn't get it done. So I think if he goes to 0-2 in his career against Washington and then you compact that with them losing to Oregon State last season, that's 0-3 against your rivals. That's a tough start for Lanning, and he just got the contact extension. I think he deserves it, but at the same time, if you can't beat your rivals, uh, that's how you're going to alienate the fan base more. So I think there's a little more pressure on Lanning to get this done because, as we've talked about, the Ducks may be the more talented team, and even though they're going on the road, you got to get some wins on the road if you want to be a college football playoff team. Let's go play some punch at audio. I love it. This is going to be a big weekend. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth Headquarters. Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and pulled the top audio cuts of the day. You're going to hear little snippets of sound. Hey, it's time for Punch It Audio, presented by First Call Heating and Cooling. Washington coach Kalen DeBoer was asked about the hype for the Oregon-Washington game. Two weeks of hype because of the bye week. Here's DeBoer. You kind of go full steam ahead for five weeks, and then, uh, you know, the bye, you never know if it's going to fall in a good spot or not. But uh, for both of us to have it, and, uh, you know, it's allowed us a chance to get maybe even a little little healthier, um, you know. And, uh, yeah, the hype uh, and all the excitement for the fans, uh, all two weeks uh, they get to enjoy all that. So it's fun. A lot of fun for fans. Fans starting to get a little anxious now? I don't know. I'm hearing a little bit of that from Oregon and Washington. Two great quarterbacks in this game, Michael Penix Jr., Bo Nix. Kalen DeBoer said he's got a lot of respect for Bo. Punch it. Yeah, I mean, I think you first just look at the number of uh, games and the experience factor, right? And that's what we got going for us. And and that's certainly something you have a lot of respect for when it comes to Bo Nix. And, you know, just, you know, there's just things you go through uh, when you play a lot of games and play in big games. And so, um, He's done that. You know, there's a skill set, obviously, that uh, covers a lot of different different ranges from throwing to running. 
and uh, you know doing a good job of executing our offense. So um, you know he's he's done an amazing job again this year on top of what he did a year ago, um, even with a new you know offensive coordinator. I don't think there's a risk in this game of one or the other quarterback having that deer in the headlights, the stage is too big kind of implosion moment. I just don't see it for Michael Penix Jr., and I don't see it for Bo Nix. So I think this game for me comes down to position groups. Where do you have the potential for uh, a little bit of a deer in the headlights, a little bit of the stage is too big, a little bit of the challenge is too big? And, and you know, as I go through the different position groups, Really, I arrive in the Washington secondary. I think that this game will be won and lost, not just on defense by Washington, because I do think Oregon's going to have some success running the ball, but the secondary of Washington, can they be a factor in this game, or are they going to be catching punches all game long? How big a game can Troy Franklin have? How big a game can Bucky Irving have catching the ball out of the backfield? Keep an eye on all that stuff for Oregon against Washington. Jonathan Smith, Oregon State coach, said he was not surprised with UCLA's win over Washington State. Here is Jonathan Smith. Punch it. Again, Washington State's, I think, really good. I'm not surprised because you knew that defense, UCLA, could affect the passer and they did a good job of that. Um, got a couple of turnovers. Uh, I thought the game would be close, and it was. Um, so not totally surprised because these things are competitive and you, you just don't really know week in and week out how games are going to go. I would have been, yeah, surprised that we was 52 to 40 against Cal. I mean, that was surprising, right. but you just don't know how, how these games are going. I think UCLA, Washington State last week was the same thing. There, Yeah, you don't know how these games are going to go. And, and again, I said earlier in the show, I think there are a couple of tiers in the top part of the conference and UCLA and Oregon State are both in that second tier after Oregon and Washington in my mind could they rise up and beat those teams yeah on a given day playing at their home stadium absolutely but this is a elimination game the loser of the UCLA Oregon State game is going to not have a shot I don't think to get to Vegas and get to the conference championship game I think a one-loss team can get there but I don't think a two-loss team can get there and so this is a big one I I like Oregon State a little better I think Dante Moore the quarterback at UCLA is a a bigger risk to have a multiple interception game and I think Oregon State is going to do something that nobody has done against UCLA this season I think Oregon State is going to establish and have success running the football David Martinez Deshaun Fenwick I think uh, Oregon State's going to run on him a little bit Chip Kelly, talking about DJ Uyangalele. I played a little bit of this clip earlier. I want to play the whole thing. But uh, Oregon State puts DJ in good positions. Here's Chip Kelly. I didn't follow him very much at Clemson just because we didn't play Clemson. Obviously, we know very, very well of him because he was at Bosco and tremendous quarterback. Um, I think Jonathan's done a really good job in terms of putting him in really good situations. Like, you know, he's big, he's strong, he's physical. Um, I think he's their third leading rusher also, so he can beat you. And they have some design quarterback runs because um, he's a big guy to take down, and he's got some he's, he's got good speed. Um, but I think he's he's got a good grasp of what they're doing offensively. That's more of a pro style scheme and what Jonathan does there. You know, they're going to run the ball, they're going to play action, and I think he's got a real good feel for for that offense. And so he's got our full attention in terms of 
going up there and having to defend them is, is uh, he's a huge part of it. Huge part of what Oregon State does, but not all of what Oregon State does. DJ's playing with some confidence, looked better against Cal. Can he look better in consecutive weeks? Particularly against a defense that made Cam Ward look ordinary. Big question for DJ. It's why I think Oregon State will first try to establish the run game. Andrew Marchand in the New York Post wrote a piece about Pat McAfee criticizing him. McAfee pairing Aaron Rodgers millions of dollars. Here's Andrew Marchand's uh, comment and then Pat McAfee responding to it. I have always had the view of if somebody is going to make money for us, that person is going to reap the benefit from it. So I feel like New York Post and some people think like them talking about me giving Aaron Rodgers against his will for a while yeah. money for helping our company and investing in our company with his time and his effort and his energy. I think people think that's a hit piece. Uh, but I would like people to know, like, if you believe that humans should work their dicks off for you and not get paid for it, like you're a massive part of the problem as well. So I am completely okay with everything that was said, and I'm completely okay being known as the guy that appreciates people's time, effort, and things that happen for us. So with that being said, Andrew Marchand is a rat, okay? That is what he is. He tried to paint this in a way that makes me look like a bad person, and it's like, you're the bad person. Pat McAfee does not understand the difference between entertainment and journalism. Marshawn pointing out that Aaron Rodgers is getting seven figures a year to appear on his show is interesting. It's newsworthy. It does paint and frame Aaron Rodgers' appearances on the show differently in my mind. We don't pay anybody to come on the show. I had an athletic director in the Pac-12 ask me, hey, in the NIL space, would you would your station or would you ever pay an athlete to make a regular appearance on your show? And I said I wouldn't do that because I don't want to be in a business partnership with a subject. Can Jamba Juice sponsor a segment and then give Anthony Gold or Jaden Grant or a, a, a women's basketball player at Oregon Oregon State as they did last season, give them an NIL deal and say, hey, we want them to come on, we're going to sponsor the segment. Yeah, that's different. And if there's transparency because when they come on, what do I say? This segment is presented by Jamba. When Aaron Rodgers appears on Andrew Marshawn's show, we don't know who's paying him. I didn't know Pat McAfee was paying him. I didn't know this was a entertainment arrangement. Makes sense to me now because why would Aaron Rodgers... Come on. Well, apparently, Rodgers is not the only one who's getting paid. Alabama coach Nick Saban's getting a million dollars a year. McAfee is paying Aaron Rodgers, thinks that that's the way. And I think, um, look, I think that uh, this kind of explains why Pat McAfee didn't go after Aaron Rodgers more aggressively, too, on some, some issues. It's not a normal interview. This is a cast member and part of the show. And I don't, I don't have a problem with that, and I'm sure some of you are going, I don't understand the deal. I don't have a problem with that as long as the listener, the viewer, the audience knows what's going on. 
Dan Lanning's going to come on the show today. He's not paid to come on. It's a real interview. Okay? Jonathan Smith came on yesterday. He's not paid to come on. It's a real interview. But if we're paying somebody to come on and do an interview, it's not an interview. It's just not. Joel Klatt talking about Oregon. Oregon, Washington. What's the key to the game? Punch it. They've got to do everything that they can do to get the crowd out of the game early. If I was Oregon and Dan Lanning, I would not defer if I won the, the toss. I would take the ball. I would put my offense on the field and hope that they can go four or five minutes and quiet the crowd and score a touchdown. That's the best way you do it. And then your defense can go out there and potentially get a three and out. Now all of a sudden you're in the middle of the first quarter. And guess what? Washington's only run three offensive plays. You've got to take a page out of Arizona's playbook. They limited the possessions for the Huskies in that game in which Washington played a a one possession game down at Arizona. And if Oregon can do that and limit possessions, take the crowd out of it, slow it down a little bit, then they're going to have a great chance. Yeah, got to take the crowd out of it is a no-brainer. But I actually think teams that have had success against Washington moving the football have had success in the second half against Washington scoring. And you could call that garbage time, whatever, but I actually think it's more of an adjustment when you talk about what happens on the field and what happens in games. I'm curious to see if Oregon will come out and fly around like they did against Colorado. Or will Oregon come out and play ball control? I don't know. I, I kind of think Oregon's going to be amped for this game. I'll ask, uh, I'll ask Dan Lanning about it coming up. Bryce Harper, three-run jack in the upper deck. It's got some drama to it. Punch it. So far, Turner has not looked like he wants to run. Stays put, and there's a high fly ball. Deep right field. Harper watches it fly. Bryce Harper glaring, glaring towards second base. Some drama in this game, staring right at the shortstop, Orlando. No, I mean, it's a super competitive game that we play, and, uh, you know, from both sides of the ball. And I enjoy um, commentary and things. And like I said, you know, I listen to WIP and. Um, you hear a lot of stuff on there as well at times, and I just enjoy it. It's it's why it's a part of the reason why we play this game, and uh, there's nothing like it. Um, everybody's competitive that we play against, and um, I just really enjoy those moments and and the opportunity to play this game and have those moments. Was there any motivation? I mean, anytime anybody says something, right? I mean, that's what it's all about. You enjoy staring them down. Yeah, I man, I stared right at him. <laughs> Orlando Arcia was in the clubhouse after game two, kind of mocking Bryce Harper. He didn't think he was around reporters, but a reporter overheard it and then reported it. Apparently got back to Harper, who, by the way, is hitting about 500 in the playoffs. It's the wrong guy to call out. Dan Lanning's coming up, Oregon football coach. I want you here for it. Is there an entertainment element to this show? Absolutely. You know, there's also some danger in this show. 
like I sometimes forget I'm hosting a radio show and I'll start talking about my neighbors, some things they do, and then my neighbors won't talk to me anymore for a while. And I can't figure out why. And Anna's like, you know why? Because you talked about it on air. And, they, you know, people listen. Well, I got to be more careful. Dan Lanning, does he have to be careful with his words this week? Does Kalen DeBoer have to be careful? Probably, because people will misconstrue what they say. But Dan Lanning's coming on this show anyway. Dan Lanning joining us. How are you, man? I want to know what your neighbors did, man. All right. I had a neighbor who was bellyaching to me about her fence and complaining that she thought that the property line was like six inches here or six inches there. And I did about five minutes on that. And then they wouldn't talk to me anymore. <laughs> That's one. Oh, man. That's one. All right. So you got to make you got to make a dish then or something and take it over and see if you can, you know, mend the relationship, right? <laughs> a, a dish. I got to make a dish. What would you bring over? What should I bring? <laughs> like pigs in a blanket or something? I mean, that's a good one, <laughs> yeah. right? That's nice and easy. I could I could probably pull that off. I, I could pull, I'm, pull I'm off pigs. I'm food. Yeah, I'm trying to think of something you could actually make. Like macaroni <laughs> and cheese probably won't stay good. But no. like pigs in a blanket, I feel like you could pull that off. I Grandma's maybe, maybe Italian. Cookies. Grandma, my grandmother, Italian grandmother, made spaghetti sauce. She taught me how to make it when I left for college. I could do that. Like that, I can make a good spaghetti sauce. Yeah, well, there you go. Make some spaghetti sauce and like let's let's get this over with. You you know you never know what could happen. You don't want to end it this way. No, let's make it right. It's not. It's just. It's. I people get caught up on weird things. You know that. Like people get distracted. You know, the fence being here, the fence being there. Who cares? You know, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. Some of the stuff. we got to yeah. focus on the stuff that does matter. By the way, can you cook? Do you have an item that if you were going to go to a neighbor's house? <clears throat> I'm a grill guy. Like, I like hopping on the grill. You know, like some, you know, bacon wrap, jalapeno poppers, something like that. You know, steak. Um, yeah, I can do a couple things. I'm not very good, you know, in general, but I can do a few things. That's good. If you can grill, you're, you're okay. You can survive in the wild. Uh, let's, let's talk some football. Um, how's your team doing right now? Yeah, they're in a good place. I think they're pretty excited about this weekend. This game, two weeks in the run-up to it, two weeks too much for this game, or do you like having that extra week and the breather? And I guess I'm asking you if you like a bye week in front of a big game. Yeah, I, I certainly don't mind it. I wish uh, we had a bye week and they didn't. That would make it even cooler. Um, right. But, yeah, I mean, it's no – it's. It, it came, I think, at a good time, you know, this season. I don't know if you ever – you don't necessarily ever get to pick when your bye week happens, but I think, you know, for us, it's a good place for it to for it to arrive. How much can you go back and look at last year's game, what they did, given that some personnel has changed on your side and their side as well? How much can you glean from that game versus maybe their film this season? I think you have to use it all, right? You throw it all into, um, you know, the kettle and see what's, you know, surfaces at the top you know i think there's you know when you have the the ability to look at a lot of film you you take advantage of it and you look at as much of it as you can and try to break it down into boxes and and figure out what fits those uh those washington honks one of them softy from kjr in seattle he came on this show and he you know is playing jedi mind tricks he's saying oregon's the better team in every way and there's a lot of noise out there. How do you how do you keep from hearing the noise? How do you how, how do you stay focused and uh, or is it amusing to you when you hear stuff like that? You hear me tell you that. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I guess that guy I don't know who he is, but he's not going to play in the game, so it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, we have to focus on the reality of who is playing this game. Our players, right? I don't get to play in it either, so 
Um, it's really about how, what our players are going to do and what they're going to you know, execute when it comes to game day. Here's what I know. There's two really good teams that are about to play in this game, and they're both really talented and both are certainly capable of winning, and it's going to be about who performs the best. Um, you know, it's a great matchup. I don't think it's ever been this highly ranked. Um, not that rankings matter at all, but I think it does you know, show that you're talking about two really good teams. So we're going to go out there and play the game and, and uh, see, what, see what happens. Yeah, I won't be the least bit surprised if you guys played them and then – if this ends up being the conference championship game in December, I could see that kind of thing because I think these teams are both that good. And I, I think whoever wins this game, of course, has the inside track to get there. And whoever loses this game is going to be playing from you know one game behind, but I still think could get there. When you look at Michael Penix Jr. in the offense at Washington, what, what do you see on film? What jumps out to you as a defensive guy? Yeah, guys, it's extremely accurate and protected. You know, there's not a lot of people that get hits on the on the quarterback. I think that's credit to their offensive line and the job that they've done. Um, you know, they've got really good wideouts that win. You know, the 50-50 balls for them haven't really been 50-50 balls. They've they've come down with more than 50% of them. And he does a good job of throwing guys open. He's extremely accurate, and um, when he has time in the pocket, he's dangerous. They're buttering you guys up. They're saying your defensive backs are the greatest in the history of planet Earth. They don't even put their pants on one leg at a time. You know, they're they're bringing it all out this week. How do you keep an edge for your guys and keep them hungry? Well, if you look for noise, I think you'll always find it, right? And just like, you know, maybe there's somebody saying that. There's just as many saying that that's not the case. So, um, you know, again, the opinions of others really doesn't matter. It's about how our guys go out there and perform. But we've been able to find our own material that maybe says otherwise. Mm-hmm. I, I I I like that. Uh, I I'm one of these people too that like I I think I'm a, I'm almost offended by that because I feel like that coach at Washington who's saying that what he's really saying is I don't think your guys are very good and I'm going to blow a bunch of smoke at your guys and it, you know people because when he adds in the hey they're um, you know that might be the best defensive backfield that I have ever seen they you know, the best in America and. I think your guys, I, I think they, they hear that and might get a little snarl from that. Yeah, it's way too complicated a Jedi mind trick for me. I'm just a PE teacher. <laughs> so, um, look, our guys are playing at, at uh, a high level right now, but we haven't played Washington, and they're, they're the best team we've seen so far this season, and they're really good. So, um, excited to see what it looks like. I think there's going to be some ebbs and flows in this game, and you know, part of the winning battle is going to be who can keep their composure when something doesn't go right. Let's go back to when you were a PE teacher in middle school. Um, right. those, elementary those, school. Elementary school. Those days That's felt right. big, too, didn't they? Like, what do you remember from that time? Oh, man, a lot of great moments, a lot of great friends. Um, it's weird now seeing some of those kids that are, like, in college now. or um, you know, That's one of the strangest things for me. But, yeah, a ton of fun. I, I worked with some great friends, got to be around great people, and got to coach and, and uh, teach some great kids. You get a lot of respect, too, because I know you grew up, your parents are teachers, you grew up with respect for teachers, but you look around. I, I When I go to my kids' elementary school, I literally am tipping my cap every five feet going, hey, thank you for what you do, thank you for being here. I'm sure you, you do that. Have you had parent-teacher conferences yet for your for your guys? <laughs> here, at, uh, here in Oregon, I have not. You know, uh, it was, you know parent-teacher conferences, th- those days back in elementary school were always kind of fun because... Nobody ever really came by to see the PE teacher. You know, I guess they didn't. I guess they didn't really care what my opinion of their kid was. So those days, it's like you're clocking in at the office, you're up there, and you're like, "What am I doing here?" Nobody, uh, nobody really cares. But one of the best things about being an elementary PE teacher was like walking into the cafeteria because, for the most part, most of these elementary schools, you know, there's a ton of women around, 
there's not a lot of men. So it's like me and the janitor are kind of the coolest guys in the school. Right. You know what I mean? Like we've got, we've got this thing going. It's like, hey, you know, these guys like us a little bit more than some of the other people in the building right. because there, are, there just aren't that many cool male figures. So you feel like you maybe just won the Super Bowl when you walk into the cafeteria and it's like, Coach Lanning, yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, I love that. That was fun. I love that. Uh, you, look, you guys, uh, you guys. I saw your family photos on social media. You get, you took some pictures over the weekend. Good job there. Frustrating because it's the one day. It's the one day I can watch football. And your wife's like, "Listen, you need to take these photos." So I, I do appreciate. We set some hard time limits, and our photographer was phenomenal. It was like five minutes in and out. Um, huh. So I appreciate that. Let me go watch some more games that day. Did you pick your outfit, or did Sophia pick the outfit for you? John, I think you know the answer to that. <laughs> I just right? want you to say it under oath. <laughs> I get I get dressed on my own every day of the week, excluding picture day. Yeah. Right? I uh, I certainly wasn't in charge of my outfit, um, but you know the sacrifices you make when it comes to relationships, right? You did it right. Anna Anna laid out a sweater for me. Said, this is what you're wearing. Okay, I put it on. So you know that's how it right. works. Yeah, you wear what you're told to wear. I like it. Especially but there, there if you're going to be the guy that's setting time limits. Yeah, and, yeah, and there was a color coordination that was going on with the kids and you guys. I, I thought it was really well done. And you, you know, you I guys can't look, take any credit. <laughs> well, you, you managed to look natural in that setting. So there you go. Appreciate it. All right. So uh, between, between now and kickoff... Um, What's left for you guys? You know, you have a light, light kind of end of the week, or how intense will it feel for you guys? Yeah, we got to walk through tomorrow. We'll have, uh, you know, some practice review and, you know, some film uh, to go over some meetings with our guys. We'll go hit our walkthrough, and then we'll travel up there north and uh, get settled in, have a couple more night meetings tomorrow night, um, and get prepped for the game. Will you watch a Denzel Washington movie, or what will you watch? No, no movies this week. Uh, when we play, you know, earlier games, we don't do a movie. So it'll be more get in place, have a team meal uh, once we arrive. Um, once we arrive, then we'll end up having a couple meetings where we kind of try to play the game before the game and then uh, get some good sleep. I like that in keeping it simple. And, you know, when you, you approach the morning of the game, I, I've heard coaches say, you know, you have all this information that you're giving guys. They've done all this film work in, you know, in really two weeks for you guys. And there's a danger of maybe information overload. Do you back off on game morning, or are you still reminding guys, hey, situation this, look for this, hey, I was thinking about that? Like, how do you treat sort of the game morning? Uh, yeah, we, we, we still keep prepping. You know, we'll, we'll have another walk through the, game, the day of the game. Um, we'll have a good team meal. Um, we'll get a special teams walk, and we'll get an offensive and defensive walk, and we're going to just keep pouring information at them, and hopefully if it's important, it soaks in and it sticks. You look like a couple of games this year you were having fun on the sideline. I, some of the exchanges you're having with the officials, you got a smile on your face. Like you're not, you know, I've seen you get intense. We've all seen the vein in your neck at different times, and it needs to come out when it needs to come out. But are you enjoying yourself it, this season more than others, or is that a reach? Um, I enjoy winning. So if we keep winning, I'll probably keep smiling. If we don't, then I'm probably not going to look too happy. Um, so I guess it's no no pressure. It's on me. Go win. I like that. Uh, you know, Dennis Erickson, I asked Jonathan Smith yesterday, I said, are you superstitious? And he said, you know, I, Dennis Erickson told him, here's my superstition. I like I like to recruit great players. 
that's his superstition, you know. And I think that it goes a long way. You got great players. You guys look like you're having fun. You've been fun to watch. I'm excited about being at this game. And I'm sure I can. I'm sure your guys are going to show up ready to fly around and and have some fun on Saturday. So thanks for joining us, and I appreciate you. Appreciate it, John. And don't forget to make that spaghetti sauce for the neighbor. Okay. I got it. I'm going to work on that. I'll give you an update. I appreciate it, man. Have a good one. Dan Lanning. There he goes. He doesn't sound at all tight. Sounds locked in, not tight. I don't think the Jedi mind tricks, uh, as he said, too complicated. Too many layers. Thinking about what they're thinking about, thinking about what they're trying to impart, thinking about, like, you know, you know, you put Hannibal Lecter in a Oregon-Washington rivalry conversation, maybe he could get somebody to swallow their tongue. But I don't think the defensive back coach at Washington talking all about, you know, hey, how uh, Oregon's, uh, excuse me, the wide receiver coach at Washington talking all about how Oregon's defensive backs are the greatest since sliced bread is going to have an impact on Oregon. But I actually think, Stephen, am I crazy? I actually think if I were a defensive back at Oregon, I would take offense at the fact that the wide receiver coach at Washington is kind of, going over the top with his praise of the Oregon defensive backs to the point where we all know it's parody. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you on that. Um, but what I mean, what else is Washington coaches going to say? Like, oh, this team's not very good. Like, we can beat them. Like, that just can he just? But can he just say they're? Hey, this is going to be a big challenge. Those guys are really good. We have our work cut out for us. Instead, he goes. I literally. I'm going to read you the quote. And this is this is a quote coming from Washington's. Uh, wide receiver coach who uh, is talking on KGR, Jamarcus Shepard, talking on KGR in Seattle. He says, quote, probably the best pass defense in the United States of America. Probably the best pass defense I've seen in my entire coaching career. These guys are long. They're physical at the line of scrimmage. They play with great technique. They've got guys who want to hit you. They're going to attack the football, and they play the football in the air. Like, the best in America, best in your – he coached in the Big Ten. Yeah, he's, it's over he's the top. basically saying, oh, you're the greatest ever. You're the greatest ever. And he's rolling his eyes. Come on. It's over the top. It is. And I don't know that, I, you know, me personally, I wouldn't take it as a slight, like you were saying it, but I can see where, uh, you know, a guy like Dan Landing, you know, you hear that guy, you hear how motivated he is, how locked in he is. I think he can flip anything any way he wants to. And he hears that quote, and I think he can go to his guys and say, look, man, this guy, this guy's talking about you guys. He says you're the best ever. That means he thinks they can get you. And so I think Oregon can use that. I think Dan Lanning will use that uh, for motivation for his guys because it obviously seems to work. Like, what Lanning does to get those guys up and get Oregon up, we saw it against Colorado. Like, that pregame speech it went viral, but at the same time, it got Oregon excited, and they were out for blood from the get-go. So I'm with you. I think they can use it. For me, I, you know, I don't, it wouldn't work for me, but that's just you know, different personalities. Ewer, you're going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted! Intercepted! The Ducks have the ball! Down to the 35, the 40. Kenny Wayton's going to score! Kenny Wayton is going to score! 20, the 10, touchdown! Kenny Wayton on the interception! The most improbable finish to a football game! Kenny Wheaton scores every time. Every single time I play that clip, he scores. Rich Brooks, former University of Oregon coach, talked with myself and John Wilner recently about the Oregon-Washington rivalry. 
going to play a chunk of that interview for you. You'll hear it in his words coming up. Rich Brooks, the longtime University of Oregon football coach, joined John Wilner and I on a podcast episode of Wilner and Canzano, the podcast, and we talked about Kenny Wheaton. We talked about the Washington rivalry game. We talked about all of that with Rich Brooks. I want you to hear just uh, a little bit of this. Coach, when I look back at kind of your tenure and I line it up with Washington, I want to talk about that 1980 game a little bit. You know, you, you get your first win against Washington. They were ranked when you played them. I think they were 13th. You beat them 34-10. to 10. But uh, I'm sure that doesn't tell all the story. What did that mean to you to 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 beat Washington finally as a head coach? It, it was huge. Uh, it was absolutely huge. Uh, I'll never forget the feeling, uh, you know, because and the dreadful and 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 our fan base felt the same way, and that's why the Kenny Wheaton pick is remembered so strongly because uh, the Huskies would always have a way of snatching victory away from us. Even though we were playing well, we were ahead, we were winning the game. Uh, and, and in that game in Seattle, uh, we were up and and they had the ball and Steve Brown makes a pick and runs it in for a pick six touchdown to seal it, I think, to make it like 34 to 21 or something like that. But there was always that feeling until that interception happened that they could come back and beat us because they had done it so many times in, in the past. And I think the, sa- the same thing with the Kenny Wheaton interception. Nobody remembers the drive before the Kenny Wheaton interception, but we got the ball on the two-yard line in 1994, mishandled a punt or a kickoff, and we downed it on the – thought the, the returner thought he was in the end zone and put his knee down. And we drive 98 yards for a touchdown, uh, and and we run it in with the fullback. Dwayne runs it in uh, for a 12-yard touchdown, and and everybody would remember the drive if we'd have stopped them on fourth down the two times we had a chance going into the pick on the nine-yard line. But everybody remembers the pick, and so do I. But the drive was impressive too because the Huskies had taken the taken the lead, and we made a 98-yard drive to take the lead back from them. Uh, and it's just, there's just so many emotional swings in a football game. And uh, you know, I can remember another game in Austin Stadium where we had them beat and we punted the ball away late in the game with less than two minutes left and boom, punt return for a touchdown and we lose. And we kicked their fanny the whole day <laughs> and we end up losing. Uh, another game uh, up in uh, in Seattle, uh, we had three freshmen starting on defense. We hold the Huskies to 111 yards total offense, and we lose the game. And they end up number one in the nation that year. Split split vote, but they were uh, I think number one in either the AP or the one of the polls and it was it was extremely frustrating to go through those type of games uh and and in in that game in seattle when we held them uh to just just over 100 yards of total offense we kicked them up and down the field they blocked the punt for a touchdown 
and ran one back for a touchdown. And that really gets under my skin because I'm a big special teams guy. So they they did a great job in all phases of the game, and, and they snatched victory away from us on many occasions in my 18 years. Did you guys know what was coming on the Kenny Wheaton pick? Kenny Wheaton knew what was coming because he studied film, and he knew in that formation, that slot, uh, that that guy, they like to run the out to him. And he just, he read it and stepped in front and made the play. Now, I, I'll tell you, it still baffles me to this day that uh, with the guy they had in the backfield, I don't know why they didn't hand it off because they had time. Uh, but that was a, a fantastic play by a guy who, had done his homework and studying the film. And he did that a lot on his own. He'd take film home at night and look at it. And he, he was just a, a freshman at the time. Was it clear to you immediately the implications of that, that pick and that win, you know, you wake up the next morning. Do you realize the whole dynamic has changed here? No, no, because we had a lot of tough games. We still had to win. And I mean, you know, that pick everybody's, Oh, that got you to the Rose bowl. And, you know, without it, we probably wouldn't have got there, but without finishing the rest of the season. And uh, we played Dick Tomey's team in the desert swarm in Eugene. And we win that one, 10 to nine, Josh Wilcox catches a pass. Yep. And, uh, you know, if we don't win that game, we don't go to the Rose bowl. And, you know, if we don't come back and win the Oregon State game, uh, uh, Dino Filia catching the screen pass and running it in. Uh, you know, there, there were a lot of things. And, and, and finally, a blowout of Stanford down there uh, with Bill Walsh. You know, we, we had a lot of tough games left. So there wasn't any revel. Oh, my God, after the pick, we're, we've arrived and we're going to go to the Rose Bowl. It's, you know, but as you look back at the season, Everybody likes to remember that play because, one, the rivalry was so good. The Huskies were ready. I, you, you could have heard a pin drop in that stadium when the Huskies were driving down there in the fourth quarter because it had happened to us so many other times, and our fans knew it. And they, and they were sitting there thinking, oh, my God, here we go again. The Huskies are going to snatch victory away from us, and we're going to have it rubbed in our face. And then – Kenny Wheaton changed <laughs> the whole narrative. So it was a it was a lethargic, uh, not a, a not a lethargic. I'm using the wrong word. Uh, it was an absolutely outstanding thing to do <clears throat> for our fan base that Kenny Wheaton erased a lot of old ugly memories with that pick. There's Rich Brooks. The former longtime University of Oregon football coach. Stephen, I want to pivot this conversation to, you know, he's talking about what's, that Kenny Wheaton's pick was great for the rivalry. It erased a uh, run of dominance by Washington. And you could argue that Oregon's, you know, run of 10 or 12 years in a row of winning the rivalry game and going a whole decade without losing it and was rectified by Washington putting 70 on a Mark Helfrich coach team. Helfrich had to come in after the game and apologize and, 
it was uh, it was a really really bad scene in that you know you you could say that Helfrich got fired for going four and eight, but you also might look about look at the um, seventy points that they gave up and go, gosh, that was the moment. That was a pivot point. If they don't give up seventy to Washington. Uh, you know, he doesn't have to come in and apologize afterwards. Speaking of support, I thought our fans were phenomenal tonight, um, even late into the game when, when uh, uh, you know, the, the outcome seemed uh, imminent. I thought, I, thought, uh, I thought our fans were, were outstanding. I apologize for, the, for that score. Apologize for the score. What would be the best outcome or the best thing that could happen on Saturday for the rivalry? Forget who wins and loses. What's right for the rivalry in your mind, Stephen? I kind of think uh, it's Washington getting the win over Oregon, and I feel that way because I feel Oregon seems like they have you know the quote unquote more talented team or the better team. So I still feel like that Oregon is getting a lot of credit um, and more credit than Washington. Washington, they're coming off you know the the good season last year, but before that it was Jimmy Lake and it was bad. I feel like Washington is more of the uh, not up and coming is a bad word for it, but they're a program that's on the rise definitely. Where Oregon is still at the elite level that they've been at for years, so I think it's it could Oregon fans think it's just a one off that Washington goes down to Eugene, gets the win. Oh, it's just a one off. It happened. Bo Nix got hurt. A lot of things happened that could have you know changed the outcome of that game. So I think if Washington can win again and get to be two in a row, and this time you know. Everyone stays healthy, and uh, you know Washington just comes out and plays better than Oregon. I think that ignites the rivalry even more because then Washington fans start thinking, you know what, we're on this level. We're on the elite level. We're on the college football playoff level once again. So for me, it's, it's a Washington win uh, just makes this rivalry even more because then the Duck fans are going to get even more mad that it's two in a row. And then I think you know that's why I put a lot of pressure on Dan Lanning in this game to get this win. He can't go 0-2 against the Huskies. I, I, think, I think fans are going to be mad about that. I think what would be best for the rivalry is an epic game with Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. that is just back and forth with a ton of offense, punch for punch, captivates America, and you know even even if the game could go down to the last possession or down to the last pass or even go into overtime with both of these quarterbacks trying to you know match touchdown and two-point conversion with touchdown and two-point conversion. But I think what we need is we need something we've never seen before. We need this game to set up a rematch in Vegas for the conference championship. And I think like when you talk about volumes of you know Washington winning for decades in the Don James, the Dogfather era, and then you talk about Oregon striking back in the Chip Kelly era and just going on this dominant run of a decade plus, and then 70 points getting put on Oregon in their webfoot jerseys, and Kenny Wheaton's going to score in the background. What this, this series needs is it needs something it's never had before. It needs two games in the same season. It needs epic. It needs quarterbacks. It needs points. I, I would love to be able to look back 10 years from now and go, oh, that 2023 game, that was it. And they played twice, or they played three times that season. Five at five coming up. Leave it here. BFFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald-faced truth.
We got a big Thursday night football game coming up. Who you got tonight? Who you like, Steven? I mean, how can you not like the Chiefs? I mean, it seems like uh, that's the way to go. I was asking Judith this earlier, like, am I just being square? And you know, am I am I missing something with the Broncos ten and a half points? But everything I come to, it's like, no, it's it's the Chiefs minus ten and a half. How can I get to the Broncos? How many points would you need to consider the Broncos? That's the question. I mean. 17? I was going to say 17. 14, I would be like, uh, maybe. But, yeah, 17, I think I could pull the trigger on. Chiefs, Broncos, 10 and a half. Seems too good to be true. I don't know what my dad told me about that. You you just need a win, though. That's all you need. <laughs> I do need a win, but right now, 85% of the bets placed are on the Kansas City Chiefs at minus 10 and a half. <laughs> so what are we missing? That's what I'm saying. Like, I, is it is it just staring me right in the face? Like, is there something I need to see? I know Russell Wilson, surprising stat here, John. Uh, passer rating, QB passer rating. Russell Wilson fourth in the NFL this season. Judah, do you have a do you have a take on this game? Why the Chiefs are only ten and a half? He's getting ready here. He's getting ready. Stretching out. He's pulling up pulling up some stats. He's getting uh, ready. No, yeah, yeah. Do you have any take? You have why? Would you would you consider Denver in ten and a half? Only because you guys are all saying it, like the the public is all on the Chiefs, so only out of principle. But I I don't see them I don't see them keeping this game close. Keep an eye on this thing. My rule though is don't bet Thursday night. That really? I Stephen knows too many scars. We've gotten. <laughs> We've been on the same game. Last year especially, there was like a four-game stretch where we were on the same side for Thursday Night Football, and they all lost in brutal fashions. The one we both remember is the Bears and Commanders. We had the Bears. The Bears got in the red zone like five times, scored zero points or three points. It was brutal. So Judah has a rule, no Thursday night betting. Okay, no Thursday nights then. I I don't abide by that rule. You're good to go. I'm betting. Well, here we go. Let's do the five at five, then we'll lead right into Thursday Night Football. The five at five. Steven, your top story. Yeah, so the top story, I mean, it's the biggest game in college football, right? Oregon versus Washington this Saturday. Uh, John, you talked to Dan Lanning on the program earlier today. I thought this was an interesting quote. Lanning says uh, his guys are playing well, but you know what? They haven't played a team like Washington. Look, our guys are playing at at, uh, a high level right now, but we haven't played Washington. And they're they're the best team we've seen so far this season, and they're really good. So, um, excited to see what it looks like. I think there's going to be some edges and flows in this game, and you know, part of the winning battle is going to be who can keep their composure when something doesn't go right. I mean, that game is going to be so much fun, John. Of course, catch the full interview, podcast form, wherever you get podcasts. But uh, what do you think about the Oregon defense going against that Washington offense? Oregon top 10 defense so far this season. Can uh, can they slow down the Huskies enough to get the win? I don't know. And, and I think that's the challenge because we've seen Oregon play Portland State, throw it out. Hawaii, throw it out. Texas Tech, all right, that, I learned something about Oregon in that game. And maybe the Colorado game I learned a little bit, but not a lot. I, I think we're going to learn a lot about Oregon in this game. Like, this is a formidable offense. And it's a great test and a great challenge for an Oregon defense that we came out of last season going, they weren't very good. So let's see. Are you any good? This is the great, great opportunity. Number two. Well, your other team, the 49ers, John George Kittle, he wore a T-shirt underneath his jersey against the Cowboys. And when Jordan Mason scored a 26-yard touchdown, he uh, lifted his jersey up and revealed a shirt that said, F Dallas. Now, George Kittle has come out and says, it was worth it. 
it was worth it to wear the shirt, and he was fine. And now he expects a fine. Uh, sources are telling Adam Schefter the league is considering a fine for a quote personal message and quote uniform violation. That price tag is $10,927, but Kittle says he expected it, and it was definitely worth it to uh, get under the Cowboys' skin. Uh, $10,000? Come on. For a T-shirt? For a T-shirt, for a message that most of us are like, eh, I don't know. Just, I think what the Niners did on the field basically said F Dallas. Well, it's kind of like the rivalry we're talking about. Like, the 49ers-Cowboys have a rivalry, but do they? Because the 49ers just dominate them every time. Jerry Jones said it. He said the road to the championship goes through San Francisco, and then Dallas went out in the middle of the freeway and laid down. I mean, it was just – I was so disappointed because I thought that was going to be a huge game. It's going to be a fun game, gonna, you know, great football game, and 42-10 to 10 doesn't get it done. Number three. ESPN, they dropped their top 100 NBA players list as they do every season. The Trailblazers actually have more players in the top 100 this year than they did last year. Last year they had four but, of course, Dane was the top one. This year, the Blazers have five of them. Robert Williams, Anthony Simon, Scoot Henderson, Jeremy Grant, and DeAndre Ayton all made the top 100, with DeAndre Ayton being the highest-ranked Blazer at 49. While Jeremy Grant moved up a few spots, Scoot Henderson, of course, the rookie. He comes in at number 78. Anthony Simon's at 85. He moved up a couple spots. And then Robert Williams, who they acquired in the Drew Holiday trade, he is in at 89. So the Blazers, uh, maybe not have star power with Dane, but... They got better players, according to ESPN this year. Better players, but when you're like, your best player is number 49, come on. Scoot Henderson, I, I want to see where he ends the year. Does he end the year as a top 50 player, in your mind? Uh, probably not after one year. I think it's going to be tough because it's such a transition year with the Blazers. We're not, you know, you and me both, we don't expect them to win a lot of games. So it's going to be a lot of, you know, empty stats that aren't leading to victories. And you can find those type of players in the NBA. So I think Scoot's going to have a great year, but it's going to be hard to put him in the top 50 next season uh, without just proof of performance of winning on the NBA court. Number four story as you see it. We talked about it a little earlier. Pat McAfee, he uh, he admitted today, though, that he pays Aaron Rodgers, Nick Saban, other guests to come on his show as the New York Post reported that Rodgers gets millions of dollars to come on the Pat McAfee show. But McAfee, he defended that decision saying that he's a good guy and feels like guys like Aaron Rodgers deserve money for all that they do on the show. Uh, McAfee said in his quote that before you know, before ESPN got the deal with his company, uh, it was worth a couple million dollars, and now it's worth a couple hundred million dollars. And so because of that, he likes to pay his guys that help him get there. Uh, but some in the sports media you know, world are not liking that, having to pay for these interviews. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm okay if he has to pay for them. I'm not okay if you present it as if that's a normal interview and not a paid appearance. Like, I think there's something disingenuous about that. And for people who don't understand it, I mean, it literally comes down to the difference between Pat McAfee being able to criticize Aaron Rodgers or criticize Nick Saban in Alabama versus he's in a business relationship with these guys and nobody knows it until now. So I think... Um, do you think that like star yeah. players should do interviews for free and not take the money? Because they obviously can get money or they can just refuse to do interviews. I think they should do the interviews and probably not get paid for it just so they have clean hands. But, you know, I get it. If Aaron Rodgers wants to do that, that's fine. But I just think Pat... I think then the, the emphasis is on... And the burden is on Pat McAfee. As Aaron Rodgers is coming on for that interview, he's got to say, here's Aaron Rodgers who you know, is part of our show and we're making a paid appearance. Like, it, you know, it's like when you read the newspaper and you see a a fake article that is paid for by a pharmaceutical company, it says at the top, paid advertisement. 
just be transparent with people. Like, nobody blames you for paying him to have it on, but the fact that he's paid to come on the show now makes sense to me that McAfee gave him a pass in a bunch of ways, and he gives Nick Saban a pass. Yeah, I, it just needs to be, you know, Pat McAfee show correspondent Aaron Rodgers, and then it, it's all good. Whatever. Yeah. Like because, something. Because he can't fully be transparent, and, you know, he can't be critical of Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers is like, you know what, I'm part of your show. You give me money. I can't do that, or else I'm not going to do it. So, yeah, it's one of those things where it's just, uh, you know, a little bit of it's, principle there. It's just sticky, and, and a lot of people probably won't have a problem with it, but just... I think just be transparent about it and tell, you know, tell your audience what is going on. Don't hide it from people because it looks bad. Number five. Well, that's off the field, John. But on the field tonight, huge night in sports. Braves at Phillies game four. The Phillies win tonight. They advance to the NLCS for the second straight season to take on the Diamondbacks, who swept the uh, the, Broncos, the Dodgers last night 3-0 in a surprising result. The Broncos, they take on the Chiefs. We talked about it earlier. Chiefs 10.5-point favorites. Uh, fun fact about that one, the Chiefs, they have beaten the Broncos 15 straight times on the field, John, so uh, I feel good about your little parlay you got there. Yeah, I feel good about it, too, but then I, I don't like the fact that everybody's on the same side of the bat. <laughs> what is the house? How about no. those Diamondbacks beating up on the Dodgers, though? Do- goodbye. Good riddance. I should have asked Jonathan Smith about that yesterday. He's a big Dodger honk. Or J.J. Uyunglele, who is, uh, you know, in the Dodgers he, farm yeah, he's part of the Dodgers, yeah. Yeah, he's one of the guys. Uh, great show today. Appreciate Dan Lanning making time for it. Uh, he was not paid for his appearance. Uh, appreciate uh, Anthony Gold joining the show. He was paid for his appearance, not by me, uh, in conjunction with Jamba. He's got an NIL deal with Jamba, and they have, uh, you know, he comes on the show once a week. Uh, full disclosure. So there you get it. Like, you're not going to get Anthony Gold criticizing Jamba, and we all understand why, right? Like, it makes sense, but... If Anthony Gold drops a bunch of passes, I probably would criticize him if it was fair criticism because I'm not in a business relationship with Anthony Gold. But you wouldn't blame Jamba. I wouldn't blame Jamba for the drop passes. They got a tasty drinks over there. All right. uh, Tomorrow's show, we'll lead you right into the big Washington-Oregon matchup on the weekend. We'll talk about the NFL weekend, Major League Baseball playoffs, and a whole bunch more on tomorrow's program. Grab a podcast of this show wherever you get a podcast. We're back tomorrow. The bald-faced truth is out.